Well, at this time, we are going to get ready to receive our tithes and our offering. If you are new or visiting us for the very first time, again, we want to welcome you. But please don't feel obligated to give. Um, just receive today's service as a blessing. However, if New Hope Church is your home church, this is our time where we get to say, Lord, I want to partner with you with my tithes and with my offering. You know, like Pastor Ben and I were talking, I'm really excited about camp. Camp just... It just matters so much to the next generation and for our future. And, and this past week, we had a little over 100 kids, about 117 junior hires, and nearly 100 support staff, volunteers, and small group leaders that participated in camp. And you know what's so great about this is that, you know, yes, I may be a little sore, a little tired, but it's such a small price to pay for the impact that these kids receive at this church and at this camp. And I'm so blessed that we are a church that opens our doors so that seeds can be planted in the lives of these kids. That's what matters. And we get to partner with God. We're saying yes to God and to his plans, and we're trusting him to use our gifts to advance his kingdom, which also includes our future, which are our kids. So I want to say thank you for trusting God. Thank you for giving. And thank you for being the church that says yes to his plans. Let's pray. Most Heavenly Father, we are so very grateful that you have blessed us, that you have found favor upon us, that we get to love your children, that we get to partner with you as you shape and mold the next generation, and that you get to use us too. So Lord, bless the giver. Bless every single person that just gives and offers up to you in obedience as we trust you, as we step into that faith, knowing that you are a good good father in jesus mighty name we pray amen well pastor sheldon kicks off a brand new series this morning um, entitled being shaped by god with a message transformational trials now i'm not sure about you but for me my teenage years were the hardest and not just when i was a teenager but also when i said yes to jesus there was a lot of change that needed to happen. I needed to allow God to shape me, and it's not always easy, but it's always good. And so that transformational trials that we have to, to go through to get to where how God is shaping us, what he designed for us. And that's exactly what we did this week at camp. We allowed these kids to come and be changed by God. Take a look.
God's approval, we can't earn it. We can't lose it. In fact, we can't even change it. So it doesn't matter how many A's you get on your report card. It doesn't matter how many trophies, awards, or medals that you bring home. It doesn't matter how well you dress. It doesn't matter how well you behave. God just loves you for, because of you and that you are his child, because you are his son and because you are his daughter, that when he created you, he had someone beautiful, wonderful, someone with a purpose in mind. Amen. want to change the world, if we want our family members to come to know the love of God, if we want our friends to know about Jesus, if we want our school to come to know Jesus, if we want our teammates and coaches to experience the love of God, if we want to help others, pray for others, preach to others, we need to stay connected. With this camp, that, that definition or the definition of defined is determined, fixed, or clearly marked out as to extent, outline, or form. In other words, these junior hires get to learn that God defines their life, not the world. And it's an amazing transition a, a, and a difficult transition when you come to know Jesus. So we want to say thank you for being a church that is able to embrace the lives of these children. So thank you. Can you just say thank you to each other? And the volunteers that served this, this past week. 
Now, even all the volunteers that are here today, you know, one thing that I understand is that as we kick off this new series, Being Shaped by God, God will use every opportunity to shape us. The reason for that is because God sees our future potential. And that's what God is always after. God is never concerned about what happened in our past. He already has taken care of that. He took care of our, our past mistakes, the sins that we have committed. He said, I'm, I already did that. I, I took care of that. I'm done with that. What I'm concerned about is where you're heading. So when God wants to shape us, he always shapes us for the better, not to become bitter. And sometimes if we don't realize that, we become bitter and not better because we don't understand that God is trying to shape us. But if we can understand that, then our lives become that much greater because of who he is. We can always see our lives here and God is bringing us here only when we understand that we're being shaped by God. So you can take out your notes that you're given or if you're using the church app, that'll be great too. But if you think about it, God created us with a certain thought in mind. He had a certain uh, look in mind, a, a certain outcome in mind. And that outcome was to be more like Jesus Christ. That's why when he sent us Jesus Christ, he gave us his one and only son so that we would know how to live. That's why Jesus walked this earth. That's why we have the Bible, his word. The word became flesh. So now we get to watch the life of Jesus. We get to learn from him. We get to learn from his word so that we can become the person that he's creating us to be, that we're being shaped by him. And so what we're going to do in this series is we're going to discover how God does that so that we can cooperate with him when the opportunity presents itself. If we don't understand that we're being shaped by God, we'll miss every single opportunity that comes by. If we don't understand that he's shaping us to become better, we'll miss the opportunity to become better and we'll end up becoming bitter because we think something else is happening rather than God trying to shape us. Now, if we make a bad decision and we reap the consequences, God can still use that. Now, God doesn't make us do bad things so that he can shape us. No, no. He'll take those trials that we go through, and then from there, he's able to use that to mold us and shape us. And that's why today we're going to be talking about transformational trials. We'll all go through trials, but when we understand that God can use that trial to transform us, now we're able to uh, embrace those difficulties because difficulties can transform our life for the greater but it won't be automatically. We have to do that on purpose. Like we have to choose to be transformed by God. We, we need to choose that road rather than to stay on the road that says, why is life like this? Being transformed doesn't happen automatically. It's, it's a choice that we make. See, God has a purpose for every trial that we go through. So the question then is, then how can we use the trials that we go through to make us more like Jesus. That's what we're going to look at. You know, some of us, maybe you grew up playing a sport of some kind. Maybe you have uh, teenagers, uh, grandchildren, uh, nieces or nephews, and they play sports. So hopefully we can all understand that when you play a sport, if you're not in shape, the first couple of weeks is called conditioning. That's pretty much all you focus on is conditioning. And those first couple of weeks of conditioning is the worst weeks in sports. Our practice time, running sprints, if you're a swimmer, learning the, or, or building your cardio, like all of those things that you're developing in those conditioning times is painful, 
It's, it's frustrating. It's mundane. Uh, if you're doing a sport that's on the grass or in, on dirt, it's muddy. And you wake up the next day in pain. You can't even move. And if your friends know it, they will tease you and they will even, you know, hit you in places that hurt because it's funny to them. But those first few weeks are so difficult because you're conditioning your body, but you're not conditioning your body for practice. What are you conditioning your body for? It's for game time. Now imagine if that's when you conditioned yourself during game time. You would die. In fact, the person who is in most shape during game time would probably win. That's why during sports, usually the healthiest team wins. It just happened this past NBA season with the NBA Finals. The healthiest team will usually win. If your team is suffering from injury, usually it's very difficult to win because it's the conditioning season that you go through that is getting you ready for the game time or even a championship. That's how God sees it because we go through conditioning season uh, conditioning seasons, it's called trials. The trials that we go through is conditioning, but it's not just to go through the trial. It's not just for the difficult time. It's preparing us for something else. So anytime we go through a trial, it's, it should automatically kind of pull up a flag that says there's something else that's coming up. That God is setting us up for something. He's getting us prepared for something. As husband and wife, when you're going through a difficult season, you may think that it's against the other person. No, no. God is going to use that to set you up for your next season together. As a believer, whenever we go through trials, God is setting us up for something greater ahead. But we have to go through that season just like a sport that when you go through the conditioning time, you may be in pain, but when, you, when it comes game time or even the championship game, you might be in pain, it may be muddy, you may be, uh, you know, having a, like, like a migraine headache, but when you win the championship, like all that pain is nowhere compared to the victory that you feel. And it's just like the trials that we go through, as difficult as it is, it nowhere compares to the victory that comes afterwards. There's something that's, that's happening and we think that it's the circumstance happening in front of us. And God is saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm building you up. I'm molding you and shaping you because I see something greater in you, your potential. And God is going to release our God-given potential. See, every problem we go through is an opportunity to be shaped for the better. It all depends on our response. It's how we respond to it. Because everything that happens to us has some type of spiritual significance. That's what the Bible tells us. Let's look at our notes. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. In fact, we can read it as it comes up here, or if you want to use your notes, you can. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We know. It's like we can have that faith in God that he's going to cause all things to work together for good. Now, he doesn't cause things to happen so that we go through a difficult time. No, he can, he can cause those things to happen for good. He can use those things to work together. In other words, all of the things that happen around us, he's going to use, he's going to bring it all together so that good can come out of it. But it's not for everyone. 
It's only for those who love God. It doesn't happen for everyone. Because for those who don't love God, all things are not working together for good. But for those who love God, he can cause all things to work together for good. All the difficulties that happen around us, he can cause it all to work together for good. To those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose, not our purpose. Sometimes we want our purpose to happen. We want this to be done. We want mom to act like this, dad to be like this. We need our siblings to be like this. We want our children to be like this. And so we try to make things happen. And we try our very best as parents to mold and shape our children to grow them up in the ways of the Lord. But as they continue to grow up, they're becoming their own, their own person. So they're learning about their faith too. And they're building their relationship with God. Sometimes as parents, we want to shield them from going through the trials because we love them. And so we want the best for them. We don't want to see our children suffer like we did. So we try to help them through it. They don't see what we see. And we forgot what it felt like. But if you put the two together with God, he can cause all things to work together for good. The trials that we go through helps to shape and transform us because it's not the trials that will develop our character, but trials will reveal our character. See, the trials that we go through show us of, of what we're made of on the inside. You know, like uh, if you grab a, a, a bottle of honey and you squeeze it, honey should come out. But you only know what's on the inside when you squeeze it. And you're trusting that when you're going to have toothpaste on your toothbrush, that when you squeeze that tube, it's going to be toothpaste. Not some kind of ointment because it was dark. Not saying that it happened to me, but I heard stories about that. So you're just trusting that what's on the inside is going to come out. That's the same way when it comes to a transformational trial. God shows us what's on the inside when we're squeezed. And when that happens, God can say, now, okay, here's what we're going to be working on. This is how I'm going to be transforming you. In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10, puts it like this. That I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of, what is the word? Suffering. I'm thinking, God, why don't, why don't, you, like, why don't you refine us in the, in, the, in the furnace of victory? Why don't you refine us in the furnace of the couch? Why don't you refine us in the furnace of, of happiness or the furnace of great food surrounding you? Why does it have to be in the furnace of suffering? Another translation of the Bible says the furnace of affliction. Like these are strong words. But what happens is that when you're, when you're in this furnace of suffering or this furnace of affliction, if you think of a furnace, you can't escape the furnace. But what's happening is because we're in that process and God is refining us, there's hope outside of the furnace that he is he is transforming us for something. This is not an end in itself. The trials that we go through is not an end in itself. We will suffer in this world. We, we can't escape that. We cannot escape suffering in this world. We live in a world that is full of sin. So we can't escape that. But in this furnace of suffering, what God is going to do 
is he's going to bring about something good. We're not, no one is immune from suffering, trials, or pain. We will all go through that. But this is what we need to remember. Here's the first thing. If you want to write something down, that trials are temporary, but necessary. All of the trials that we go through, I mean, it's, it's so it's so wise for us to remember that it is temporary. The trials that we go through are so temporary, but it is necessary. And God will use the trials to draw us closer to himself. In the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, it tells us, from momentarily, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not on the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So the eternal things is what we shoot for. That's where our focus should be on. It's eternal. That's the eternal hope that we have. Trials are necessary because it achieves an eternal reward that far outweighs any temporary trial that we go through. The victory far outweighs the conditioning. The championship far outweighs the beginning. It's, I remember taking the driver's test. Remember the written test? You have to take the written test first. It's called your permit. You take your permit and then you do the driver's test. Well, you have to do all of that before you get your license. And I know some of us, we drive and we see people driving and we say, well, you got your license on one Cracker Jack box. But there's the process that we go through to get our license. And God has a process that we go through. The driver's test, the driver's, the the written exam, all of that, even the eye exam, those are temporary moments so that we can drive. The trial that we go through of the test is temporary. The test is temporary so that we can have a grade, so that we can graduate. The tests are temporary. The test isn't for the test. The test is for something else. That's why it's called a test. The trials that we go through is a test for something else. 2 Corinthians 1.9 says, in fact, we expected to die. And this is, this is Paul the apostle. He's saying, listen, the, the test that we go through, it's very difficult. We, we expected to die. This was what we were going through. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. It's like Paul was, he was comparing the two. He was saying the trials that we go through, temporary It allowed us to go through understanding that we shouldn't rely on ourselves because our power is is limited. We only have so much power. But it, it, it showed us that we should rely on God because we were about to die. But when we rely on God, he's the one who has the power that is limitless that is able to raise the dead. So Paul was saying, what would you rather have? Just dealing with your circumstances and trials and trying to just figure it out there? Or rely on God and trust him that as we go through these trials, that he's doing something greater. That was his encouragement to the church. See, our, our most intimate times with God, the, the closest we will probably ever feel to God, is not when we're on the mountaintops. It's probably through our darkest moments that we draw close to him. We pray to him. I remember going through seasons where things are going great. So my prayers are, thank you, Lord, for you know, your goodness. Thank you for providing. You're so good. And, and so th- those were my prayers. But then when I would go through a difficult time, 
like on my knees praying to God, Lord, help me, please change Heidi, do something. Like those types of prayers, like on your knees, Lord, help my children. You know, you're praying, help the loved one or someone is going through an ailment, a sickness, you're crying out to God. In other words, trials take us to our knees when good times just keeps us on our feet. Trials, it, it, it takes away the surface prayers. Trials keep us close to God and it teaches us the nearness of God. That's what trials will do. We cry out to God. We also trust in him. Those, those dark moments are probably the closest that we, we come to God, which is, which, is, which is so gracious of God that even in our dark moments, he still shines his light. So he'll use the trials. He'll use every opportunity to strengthen us. But just know that those trials are very temporary because he's doing something in our future. Very temporary, but very necessary. The second thing is to remember that God refines us according to our God-given potential. He refines us according to our God-given potential. He doesn't refine us because we're bad people. He doesn't refine us because He's trying to punish us. He doesn't refine us because we need, you know, a lesson. No, he's refining us because he sees potential inside of us. God-given potential. He sees the greater things in us, and so he's going to refine us so that we can reach our God-given potential. That's what it means being shaped by God. It's he's refining us. And the good news is God will never waste a problem. He'll never waste a trial. He'll never waste a pain. He may, he may even use it to draw us closer to himself. And instead of us blaming others or pointing fingers or making excuses and saying, but it wasn't me or asking God, why me? The question we should ask is, God, what are you teaching me? It's just as simple as that. Because with that one phrase, what are you teaching me, shows God that we want to cooperate with him in the trial that we go through. And the trials that we go through, when we're saying, God, what are you teaching me? When we learn the lesson, you know what will happen? The trial begins to unravel, and then we move on. But if we never learn what we're, what we're being taught in that season, then it's like that, that trial sticks around. It's like when you take on an offense and you hold it against another person, and we never ask, God, what are you teaching me? That offense stays there. Unforgiveness stays there. Bitterness stays there. But once we ask the question, God, what are you teaching me? What are you refining in my heart? What are you teaching me? And the teaching moment comes and we receive that. Now we're reaching our God-given potential because he sees something inside of us that he's trying to complete. Romans chapter five, verses three and four tells us that we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Now that doesn't seem like a happy scripture to rejoice when we run into problems and trials. But it says, for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Can you see that, that, that this scripture shows us that God is taking us somewhere? He's, 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 he's shaping us towards something, our confident hope of salvation. See, there's, there's a lot that we learn through trials that we just will not learn any other way. 
We will not learn any other way except through the trial. When Heidi and I were, when we first were married, we had to learn about this one thing called finances. It was so difficult because when we got married, Heidi had more money. So when the idea of connecting our accounts together came into play because we were going through counseling, marriage counseling, they said, well, what you want to do is think of the best way to do your finances. And so they asked, so do you want to have a joint account or separate? Like without, without even thinking twice, Heidi said separate. And I said, no, it should be joint. It's the two are one now. And she goes, no, because our finances are different. And then when we talked about it and we discussed it, it made sense. It made sense, <laughs> it made sense to me that we should join it together. And that was how we developed it. And this is what came out of that. When we joined it together, we really had to think about how to spend our finances. We really had to think it through because in my eyes, I was thinking, well, I never had that kind of money. In her eyes is, well, I never had that low of money. So we had to really work that out. And so learning how to budget was incredibly important. But as time went on, when we look back at those years, it had nothing to do with our finances. It had nothing to do with our joint account. It had nothing to do with our money system. It had nothing to do with how we structured our finances. When we look back at that time, because we were learning to tithe and to give and to help build this church or the building, as we were learning all of that, we look back on those times, it had nothing to do with budgeting. Now, a great thing came out of that with now we're structured in our finances. That's great. But what came out of that was something even greater that we had no idea God was doing. And it was this. He was building our faith in him. Because through all those times, even the trials and errors of, are we going to buy this or not? Well, can we afford it? Well, we need to save money. But we need it now. No, we need to save money for it. Put it on the credit card. We can pay monthly. You know, going through all of that, it had nothing to do with the structure of finances, but it had everything to do with our faith in God. He was building us up in our faith in him. And so he used those trials to build our faith in him. And that principle still allows us to thrive in our faith because he was doing something back here for our faith. He saw where we were heading and he said, you need to go through this. This is going to be temporary, but it's necessary. I'm going to refine you. I'm refining you so that you can reach your God-given potential. I want to help you get here. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, that these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. In other words, just like how Heidi and I were learning, the, the finances or the gold, as the Bible puts it, the finances was nothing compared to the faith that God was building. The faith was far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You see how God always sees the future? He always sees our future potential. So he's going to refine us for our God-given potential. We see the problem. God sees our potential. That's the difference. And so here's the last thing. Be patient and persistent. Be patient and don't give up. Be persistent. 
The patient part of it, that's where perseverance comes in. When you're able to persevere, you're able to have that patience. Trust the process. Don't give up. Think of, okay, God, what are you teaching me? What are you doing? And look to God because he's doing something. Whenever you go through the trial, being patient and persistent can be difficult because none of us and none of the trials that we go through happens without God's stamp of approval. Like he'll stamp it. A trial will come our way and before it hits us, God will say, you know what? I approve of this one. Why? Because I'm gonna use that for the greater purpose. So whenever a trial comes our way, it has God's approval on it. Now we may look at it and say, why God? Why did you approve this? Oh, because I see this, the greater purpose ahead. I can see what's happening. That's where the trust comes in. So when we go through a trial, and if we're in a trial, we can rejoice because it's not about the trial. It's not about the problem. It's about his purpose, where he's bringing us to. God can use any trial for his good purpose. Now, I I look at it this way, and this, this helps me tremendously. This is the end result. This is where God is. This is where I am now. And there are points, trials that we go through. And there are learning points that we go through. There are, there are difficulties that we go through. But God sees this. This is our God-given potential. So if this is our God-given potential, then he's always heading us in this direction. So whenever I encounter this trial right here, it can seem like, boy, this is so difficult, I want to give up. But he says, no, 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 you got to remember this. This is what you focus on, your God-given potential, what I'm doing in you and through you. So you don't give up because you got one, two, three, four, five, five more trials to go through to get to the place where I need you to be. Like we say it often, if we want to get to a place we've never been, we're going to have to go through things we've never been through. It's, it's, it's the same principle in everything that, that, that we want to achieve. If it's a goal that we want to achieve, it's if a degree that we want to have, if it's a relationship that we want to thrive, if it's a marriage that we want to, uh, uh, if, our, our, if we want our marriage to get stronger, whatever it is, even if it's a goal in the end, even if it's a, and I'll use the NBA championship again. So I'm using a player called Kawhi Leonard. So I'll, I'll just briefly explain it so that we can catch it. Kawhi Leonard used to play for another team called the San Antonio Spurs. He was injured. And he didn't play for, I think, a whole entire season. Other people said, you can play. So they said, no, you're faking your injury. And he said, no, I know how my body is, so I am injured. I'm not going to play. So he got traded to another team. So Kawhi Leonard went through a process, waited for his body to become healthy. And then he played on another team and won the championship. If he jumped back in too early, he could have gotten injured, which would have forfeited his championship. So Kawhi Leonard was here, got injured, and then he said, no, this is a trial that I'm going through. I need to heal up because I see this. I see the goal. It's victory. It's a championship. Others said, no, you can play. And he said, no, I'm going to rest. Well, we're going to trade you then. Okay, then that's fine. I know my body well. Became an NBA champ. There's another player who got injured. His name is Kevin Durant. Probably considered one of the best NBA players playing right now. Well, not right now because he's injured. He got injured, rested for a couple of weeks. He was cleared to play, but he still decided to play, and he got injured. 
Now, I'm not saying that he made a good decision, not good decision. I'm using the principle of when you're injured, that you got to trust the process of healing and trust that, no, I, I see the end result. This is what I'm after. But on this side, another player who, so if, if Kevin Durant watches this, I'm not saying you made a bad decision. I'm just saying this, this is what took place. That if he rested for the rest of the season, they may not have still won the championship, but his season this year would have been completely different. This one injury actually changed the entire scope of the NBA. Everything. It affected every single team in the NBA because of trades and the draft and all of that. So if you don't understand basketball, you understand the principle of always look to the future goal, not the immediate that you're going through. And think, no, I gotta, I gotta get through this trial right now. No, you gotta trust the process. You gotta trust the process that God is taking us through because the end result is victory, not injury. God is looking forward always to the victory that we have in him. We just have to be patient, but we have to be persistent and not give up. As James 1 verses 2 through 4 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face many trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. He's saying let perseverance Let it it take its full length. Let that process go through, the entire process, so that you lack nothing in the end. But you got to go through that process. Don't take shortcuts during the process. It's very tempting to take shortcuts. Everything that happens in life, according to Romans 8.28 that we read earlier, according to his purpose, is to become more like Jesus. That's our purpose but if, if we are to become more like Jesus, then we are going to have to go through things that Jesus went through in order to become more like him. This past camp, I was up here and uh, kind of, you know, bouncing around here and there and just checking things out. And there would be certain people, because they worked so hard, volunteer after volunteer, working so hard. And there was this one volunteer who came up to me. He's like, man, I'm so tired. And this person is in their 20s. And I see our, our kupuna in their 50s and beyond. I'm not saying if you're 50, you're kupuna. I'm just saying just that, you know, that age bracket. And I'm going to be 50 pretty soon, so I got to get used to that. But I watch the, our, our, our elders, our forerunners. They're working just as hard. So, so I turned to this person. And I said, hey, you know, you know what, I, what I look to when I'm dead tired, when I'm serving? They go, yeah, what? Sleep. I said, no, no, no. I look to the cross. I said, what? I said, yeah, I look to the cross. When I'm like feeling dead tired because I'm serving and it's difficult, I think about what Jesus went through. I think about the trials that he went through. I look at my hands. There's no scars. There's no nails. There's no blood. And I said, you know what keeps us going? It's not our strength. It's not that we have it in us. It's because we have Jesus. It's because we look to him. It's because we look to the cross that everything that we go through is to become more like Jesus so that when I'm going through suffering, I think about Jesus because he endured the suffering. Romans 8, 17, it tells us, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. 
In fact, together, together, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. We hate that word, suffering. We hate it. That's why they say in marriage, you have the wedding ring, you have the engagement ring, and you have the suffering. <laughs> but as, as jokingly as we say that, in life we have suffering. We go through suffering. And we'll have difficult times because if we're going to share in God's glory, we're going to also share in his suffering. But because we share in his suffering, we'll also share in his glory. God is always heading us somewhere. He's always pointing us in a good direction. And the more difficult the trial, the greater the potential that God is building in us because God is more concerned about where we're heading than what we're going through today. His concern is the greater things. Circumstances are temporary. Character, that's eternal. And not everyone is persistent. Not everyone is, is going to be patient when it comes to trials. And many people turn bitter instead of better. But we need to be how Jesus is. That's the purpose. Hebrews 12.2 says it like this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. That's who we get to look to because our focus will determine our feelings and how we feel is going to determine our action. When you focus on the problem, you feel the pressure. When you focus on the circumstance, you feel the stress. But when you focus on the past, you feel the pain. And when you focus on Jesus, you feel the freedom. That's where our focus should be. It's on Jesus. I'm going to ask you to close your Bibles and put away your notes. I'm going to close with this, just with this word, this short story of the silversmith who was teaching his student how to refine silver. And as he's doing that, he's teaching his student, his protege, how to refine all the silver. And so the student would come up and the teacher would say, hey, so let me know when you think it's refined. And so as they would heat up the silver, the young protege would look in it and would say, oh, that, that, looks, that looks pretty good, but there's some dross, so let's take off the dross. And the, the master silversmith would say, yeah, that's true, let's take off the dross. And then time and time again they would continue to remove the dross all the junk that would come up from purifying the silver well it looks pretty good and the young protege would come up and he would say no that looks good it, it's done and he says no it's not done yet we still have to purify it the protege would come back and say no it looks pretty good to me and the master silversmith would say no it's just it's not quite there yet let's look in it's, it's not there yet finally the master silversmith called his young protege and he said, okay, now it's refined. And the younger said, well, like, how can you tell? It looks, it looks the same. And he says, well, I, I know it's refined. That You know when we look in? Yeah. I can see our reflection clearly. When God refines us, he wants to see his reflection in us clearly. The trials that we go through, although temporary, 
it is necessary because God is building us up for something greater. We got to trust the process. Be persistent. Don't give up. There's the persevering as we're patient because God is always looking forward to the greater potential that he sees in us. And we got to trust that process. He's doing something great. Let's trust in him. Today is water baptism. It's part of refinement. Many of you have received Jesus and you've never been baptized. It's so incredibly important to be water baptized because it's part of that refining process. That when you're water baptized and you go under and you come back up, it's that symbol of us dying to our old self and coming back to life. It's a symbol of Jesus dying in the grave, dying and being buried in the grave, buried in the tomb, and then coming back up. Resurrected for all of eternity. And that same resurrection power lives in us. And so when we're water baptized and we go under and come back up, that's what we're saying. We're letting everyone know. It's a public confession, letting everyone know that I've been saved by Christ. I now die to my old self and I come up brand new. For those who are going to receive Jesus today, because I'm going to give you an opportunity, we have what we call our yes table. It's right back there. There's a Bible and some reading material that will help you in your walk with Jesus. When you receive Jesus, we want to give you that as a free gift. So that will be directly after service, and I would love to personally meet you. But we're going to bow our heads for a moment, and we're going to pray for that today. Let's bow our heads. Lord, this morning we know that there are people here today that do not know you yet. And I pray that they would begin to recognize how good you are, that you are refining us for the greater purposes. We go through these trials, not just for any reason, but so that we can become more and more like you. So if there's anyone here this morning, Lord, that does not know you, can you just tug on their heart a little bit to let them know that you're listening, you see, you hear their prayers. And if you're here this morning, you feel that tug, we're going to say a prayer together. And even for those of us who have never, who, who have already given their lives to Jesus, if you are already a believer, we can also say this prayer because it is such a reminder that even the trials we go through is for a greater purpose. And as I say these words, you can repeat after me. Just mean it with all of your heart. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave. I believe in you and I trust you. I receive you into my life in exchange for yours. In Jesus' name I pray.